0: thank you Lord Jesus for that truth God that your faithful love endures forever oh God I I pray Lord as we open your word this day God that Father that we would have a deeper hunger for thirst and a thirst for righteousness God Father that we would continually to set our gaze upon you the author and the finisher of our faith Father Lord, I thank you, God, that you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. I thank you, Father, uh, of the assurance that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that this season, this virus hasn't taken you by surprise. And that you're calling your bride, You, you you have equipped her, Father, to do your will in this generation. So let us not be found sleeping, Father. Let us not be found being complacent or even overwhelmed or anxious. But God, may we be found being faithful unto Christ, serving Christ and others, Lord, thinking of others before we think of ourselves, God. Use us, Father, your bride throughout the earth, Father. As every nation, tribe, and tongue, Father, have, is being um, affected by this virus. But God, I thank you that you are greater than the virus, Lord. I thank you, God, that you can turn around for good, Father, what the enemy has intended for evil. And that your glory will be made known, Father that there would come forth a great harvest of those, Lord Jesus, Father, who would come to the saving knowledge of Christ in this time, that they would come to have a, a strong belief and a bold confession that you are the Son of God and that you have risen from the dead. So send forth your laborers, Father, throughout this earth to proclaim your gospel that the captives would be set free. And we thank you for this. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather, to open up your word, the living word. Now speak, Lord, we pray, as we desperately need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning to everyone. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. This is our verse that's set before us. Hoping, hoping, I'm hoping it's reminding us daily, and hoping you're, you're thinking through and praying through this daily, and you're allowing yourself to, to really just seek God in this hour. Not just because there's a virus loose upon the nations, but because Christ is risen from the dead. And if you belong to Christ, if you are in Christ, you have a purpose for such a time as this to be the light. It's not time to get caught up in our own desires. No, it's time to really seek the Lord, that He may be found. The Word of God says, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with your whole heart. And so be mindful of the call of a disciple. To deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow Him. Be mindful of what you're sowing into. What you're giving yourself to. Because if it's not honoring God, it's only going to bring destruction. Destruction. You're only going to, you are going to reap what you sow. And so I'm praying that you're sowing seeds of righteousness. I'm, I'm praying that we are seeking to mature and to grow. That we're just not, you know, stripping Christ down just to make Him so common that we can just live however we want. And somehow He's still pleased. No, He's God. He's holy. And it's time for the church to awaken, to truly be the church in the earth, to be the bride of Christ, to be prepared for His return, to get out there and to share your faith. And even though we may be on a a stay-in order or a lockdown order, there's so many ways that we can still reach out to people. Rather, it's through social media. Rather, it's just picking up the phone. Whatever it is that you're connecting with people to be able to share your faith. People ought to see that there's something different in us. We have the message of hope. We have the message of freedom. Over fear, over doubt, over disease, over addictions, over sin. And as we spoke last week, There's a greater virus loose on mankind, and that's sin. Each of us are born in sin. Each of us are going to face death. Because the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, is that we have a cure. His name is Jesus. He has defeated sin and death. This is the hope that we have, and oh, how I pray that we are people filled with hope each day. That we are people filled with joy each day. This shouldn't have taken us by surprise. <laughs> Jesus himself tells us what the days are going to be like before his return. No one knows the hour or the day that he's returning, but we know the signs. That's right. So I want us to go to Matthew chapter 24, and as we work through a few of these scriptures, before we get into our bible reading i'm really hoping that it'll challenge us to be mindful of what we're sowing to what we're giving ourselves to because ultimately again don't the justice of god don't be misled it won't be mocked you're going to harvest what you plant Matthew chapter 24 Jesus speaks about the future As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings but he responded Do you all do you see all these buildings I tell you the truth they will be completely demolished not one stone will be left on top of another Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, "Tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world?" And Jesus told them, "Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many." And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of birth pains, with more to come. Then you will be arrested. Persecuted and killed you will be hated over I'm sorry, you will, be ha- you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I love if you've been around me long enough. I love verse 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. That's great news, you all. He's he's describing these events that are going to take place. But even though there's chaos throughout the nations, the gospel will still go forth throughout the whole world. He goes on, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. And I love it when the, in the Bible in parentheses it says, reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than any, at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, Look, the Messiah is out in the desert. Don't bother to go and look. Or look, He is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west... So it will be when the Son of Man comes, just as the gathering of vultures show there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heavens will be shaken." And then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be a deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Oh, the hope that we have, if you are in Christ, you know the end. We don't have to be overwhelmed or anxious when the world is thrown into chaos. No, it's time to wake up. Our redemption is drawing near. This is the hope that you should be reminding yourselves daily that our redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming. But in that understanding, it's not time for us to, to, to keep it, the news to ourselves. No, we need to be able to share this. We need to be able to live lives that honor God. That we have the message of freedom. And you should be sharing that message. You should be living, you should be growing as a Christian. Your lives should be changing. You should notice the change that is a transformation that's taking place. Others around you should notice the transformation that is taking place. And I keep telling you, if you're not transforming, something's wrong. If you're still the same Christian you were 10 years ago, one day ago, six weeks ago, something's wrong. It's not that you're going to be perfect But you ought to be maturing. You ought to understand and grow in the knowledge of what it means to live the crucified life. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What it means to live preparing for His return. Oh, this is great news and Jesus is laying it out. Not only for the disciples that were with Him then, but for us now. He goes on to say, in verse 32, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. And those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the son of man comes. Two men will be working together in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day or what day your Lord is coming understand this if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into you also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected oh verse 45 a faithful sensible servant "...is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants." partying and getting drunk, that master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do not be misled. The justice of God cannot be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant. You're either going to be a sensible, faithful servant or you're just going to be a religious hypocrite who in the end will face the wrath of God. And there's no way around it, you all no matter how you may want to water it down in your own heart and mind, no matter how you want to get caught up in all the false gospels that are being preached out there and giving you this false sense of security when you're really not secure in Christ at all, oh, we need to wake up. Oh, we need to wake up. We need to understand the words of God. We need to have the the understanding that's given via the Holy Spirit, given to us as we have received Christ, He's to be our counselor. He's to be our guide. He's our teacher. We are to walk in the Spirit at all times so that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The Word of God says that we're not to live lives that grieve the Holy Spirit. No, we're to live lives that follow Him. Learn of Christ. Don't settle for just just an outward expression of faith when you're inner. Life is far from Him. Don't pretend to have faith when you know good and well your life isn't honoring Him. No, it's time to get right with Jesus. It's time to to truly humble ourselves and receive this free gift of salvation. We can't fix ourselves. We can't clean ourselves up. We're sinners. Apart from Christ, we are in complete rebellion towards God. Oh, that's why we need Him. That's why we need to humble ourselves. Our eyes need to be open that we may see our rebellious ways, our sinful ways, and it humbles us before a holy God, and we cry out and we repent. True repentance, turning away from not still clinging to, but turning away from. We recognize how wretched we are. And what how great of a need we have for a loving Savior. And when we receive Him, Oh, the work that He does in us to transform us.
1: Amen.
0: Oh, the work that He does in us to make us His own. It's all about Jesus, you all. It's nothing that you can do or I can do. It's all of what he has done, what he has accomplished, and he freely gives it. He loves us so much. We always talk about his peace. When he says, peace I leave you, peace I give you, nothing missing, nothing broken. You're not to live out of your brokenness any longer. That's why you have to be disciple. That's why you must grow in the knowledge and understanding of your God. The more you grow, the more that you apply the Word—not just being a hearer of the Word, but applying the Word. The more that you mature to be more Christ-like, you're preparing for His return. You're no longer bound to the things of this world. The, the, the temporal things do not satisfy us any longer. No, we are satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone. He is coming to collect those who belong to Him. The world is going to keep being thrown into chaos. There's not a government or a leader or or anyone in this world that can solve the issues that are coming. This is just the beginning, these are just birth pains. The Bible says, I was thinking the other day, the Bible says even creation is moaning for the return of Christ. Are you moaning? Are you crying out for His return? The devil is a liar. <laughs> and it's, he's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life, and life, and abundance. And listen to His words. He's telling us, What is to come? How we are to be living. And chapter 25, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 13. It's the parable of the bridesmaids. Jesus goes on, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. This is Jesus, you all. This is Jesus. And how we've come to play church is beyond my understanding. I've been guilty of it as well. How we just think that it's just this weird, you know, you show up and you go out. You come back and you go out. No. You're, we're the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're to be being prepared. We're to be ready for His return at any moment. We shouldn't be foolish. These bridesmaids, these foolish bridesmaids thought they were had it. They thought they were saved. They thought they were going to go into the feast. But don't miss out. They even recognized him. Lord, Lord, open the door. But he called back. Believe me, I don't know you. Oh, we got to wake up church. Oh, we got to wake up. This is just the beginning. More is coming. And if we're not even surviving through this, how are we going to be when the next wave comes? And the one after that, and the one after that? No government can help you. No man's going to be able to help you. (laughs) But are you going to be found in Christ? Because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the only one that can help us. We're not to turn to the temporalness of this life, we're to turn to Christ. We've got to stop playing church. We've got to stop playing games. We've got to stop trying to water down his message. Listen, we, we know this, not everyone is coming to Christ. And that's fine. They have a right to live however they want. But the church, we need to awaken and live as he calls us to live, set apart from the world. Go to Second Corinthians. I mean 1 Corinthians chapter 10, real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to get this portion of Scripture before us again. We've seen it already. We've seen it multiple times. It's lessons from Israel's idolatry. So before we pick back up in the book of Numbers today, I want us to go back and look what we find in the New Testament that gives us an understanding of why we need to understand Israel and how they were formed And what they went through. It goes on here. Chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 1 through 15. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan rivalry, and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live. Look at this, at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and god is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure so my dear brother so my dear friends flee from all from the worship of idols you are reasonable people Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. Lessons that we are to take in, that we are to learn from Israel. They were captured for us. We're not to live like the old man, like the old woman. We've been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live But Christ living in and through me The crucified life Are you living it? Do you understand it? Are you growing in it? If not, something is wrong Something is wrong Oh, how I pray if you're not, that the Holy Spirit will quicken you, that you would become hungry and you begin to thirst for righteousness, for right living. It's to be able to, to, to minister to people, you all. To encourage others. To come to Christ. The Bible says that, that's our That's our call. To call others to be reconciled to God through Christ. I'm meeting with this man and as I was with him this week and sharing the hope that is found in Christ. I'm always so broken when, when I see him so moved by the hope that can be found in Christ. How we both just break down and we weep. He's been enslaved for many years. Sitting in church. And he's just, he always says, like, I, I never understood this. I never understood the crucified life. I just thought I was supposed to go to church. But there's actually Freedom. He says, and all the joy that floods his soul, and the hope that is renewed, that he doesn't have to remain enslaved to sin. Remember, the Word of God says, sin is not to be your master. Oh, we're free, you all. Oh, we can have the joy and the hope, no matter what our circumstances are. We are free. We belong to Christ. He is coming back for us. We're not lusting after the things of this earth. We're not trying to grab hold of the temporalness to find security. No, everything that we know is going to be shaken. And you say, but then what's the good news? Because the the good news is, is if you're in Christ, you have been engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken everything else around us can be shaken and fall. But the kingdom of God will not be shaken. Amen. It is established for eternity. He is seated on the throne. Oh, the good news that we have in Christ. The hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus. Don't be misled. The justice of God cannot be mocked. You're going to harvest what you plant. And oh, how I pray for us today that you are harvesting seeds of faith, of hope, of joy, of righteousness, of steadfastness, of love. Come on, you all. We've got to draw close to Him. It's time to awaken and be the bride of Christ. Go to Numbers chapter 26. Another census is being taken. And I'm just going to read parts of 26, kind of jump around it, because I'm not going to butcher all those names. (laughs) But before we get into that chapter, I just want to go over some commentary notes that I ran across. It says, we must remember when the world cannot eliminate the witness of God's people through direct conflict, it often tries to neutralize the witness by absorbing them into the world. God's people must survive in physical separation from the world by trusting in God's promises. Remember, the Israelites, they're walking with God. God is among them. God has called them out to be holy. They're to look different than all the other nations on this earth. The other nations are giving themselves over to everything and anything. The sexual appetites of the other nations are perverted. They're worshiping idols. They're living their life however they want. But God... Sell a part of people for himself. And as we read last week, they were given over to their appetites, these women from the other tribes. God help us. And yet again, people had to die. Because the anger of God rose up. This isn't the first time. This is multiple times as they're wandering through the wilderness. Don't forget, God has delivered them from bondage, from their slavery, from Egypt. And yet, they forget all that God has done for them. They keep giving in to what's around them, what seduces them, instead of clinging to their God and honoring their God. And they keep facing his judgment time and time and time and time again. Another commentary note. Overall, there has been a decline of nearly 2,000 in number of fighting men from the total counted during the first census 38 years earlier. The census reveals that of all the men counted previously, only Joshua and Caleb remain alive to enter the land of Canaan. They were the only two that came back of the 12. (laughs) That gave the good report of the land that God was giving them. The others gave a negative report. And so a whole generation had to die off in the wilderness. It goes on. Had it not been for the punishment inflicted on them, they would have largely increased as they did in Egypt. This was changed during the 40 years of the wilderness. For the whole of the grown men who came out of bondage were judged unfit to enter into the promised land because of unbelief. And I love this. This is from Charles Spurgeon. Though the people must pass away, yet the Lord's hand would be in each death and its surroundings. If not a sparrow falls, To the ground without our father's knowledge. We must rest assured that no one dies without the will of God. A wise and loving God fixes the date and place of our death. And I love this, Psalm 116 verse 15. The death of his faithful ones is valuable in the Lord's sight. The Lord is still ruling and nothing happens except as he appoints. God is sovereign you all. God's plan is in effect. It's, it's happening. Rather we are in agreement with him or not, he's going to bring about all that he has purpose. He's faithful. He's faithful to his word. Numbers chapter 26. <clears throat> Verse 1. And the plan. Pled- I'm sorry. After the plague had ended, the Lord said to Moses and Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest from the whole from the from the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their families, list all the men 20 years old or older who are able to go to war. So there on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho Moses and Eleazar the priests issued these instructions to the leaders of Israel list all the men of Israel 20 years old or older just as the Lord commanded Moses this is the record of all the descendants of Israel who came out of Egypt so you can read through the tribe of Reuben then you can move on to the tribe of Simeon And then the tribe of Gad. Verse 19, you pick up to read about the tribe of Judah. Then the tribe of Issachar. The tribe of Zubalon. The tribe of Manassas. And verse 35, you pick up to read the tribe of Ephraim. Then the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 42, you pick up to read about the tribe of Dan. And then the tribe of Asher, And then the tribe of Naphtali. And uh, then in verse 51, I'm going to pick up to read about the results of the registration. In summary, the registered troops of all Israel numbered six, 601,730. Then the Lord said to Moses, divide the land among the tribes and distribute the grants of land in proportion to the tribes populations as indicated by the number of names on the list. Give the larger tribes more land and the smaller tribes less land, each group receiving a grant in proportion to the size of its population. But you must assign the land by lot and give land to each ancestral tribe according to the number of names on the list. Each grant of the land must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller tribal groups. And then he picks up and he talks about the tribe of Levi. I'm going to drop down to verse 63. So these are the results of the registration of the people of Israel as conducted by Moses and Eleazar the priests on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Not one person on this list had been among those listed in the previous registration taken by Moses and Aaron in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord has said to all of them, they will all die in the wilderness. Not one of them survived except Caleb and Joshua. God is faithful to his word. He brought them out of Egypt. He's giving them the promised land. They had to spend 40 years In the wilderness. A whole generation had to die out. And now we're going to see Joshua and Caleb lead God's people into what God has promised them. That ought to make you happy today, you all. That ought to you ought to find some encouragement. That God is not a God who gives up. He's not a God who changes his mind. He is faithful. He is sovereign. He is on the throne. There's nothing that gets by Him. I love the fact that we can hold on to the truth of God's Word, that He knows the plans that He has for me, for you, for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future, no matter what is going on around us. Because ultimately, our end is with Him. He's coming to collect us. But while we're here on this earth, we must remember this earth is not our home. We are just pilgrims. We are just passing through. Do not take up residence. Do not start camping out. No, you're to keep moving forward. You're to keep seeking Him. You're to keep being on lookout for His return. We are satisfied in Christ. At least we ought to be. When we're not satisfied in Christ, we look to everything else for hope, for peace. But only Christ, you all, can give that to us. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 52 Jesus has been born. God is again fulfilling His promise. Last week we read how He fulfilled His promise to Simeon. Today we pick up reading about Anna, a prophet. Verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of the mule from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Even here, another generation for many generations, for many years, has been waiting for the Messiah. And now the Messiah has been born. He is among them. And God is awakening His people. And they're prophesying over this child, over Jesus, over the Messiah. The one that we have been expecting is here. Our message to the world in our generation and the days to come is that we are expecting the one who has already came and has delivered us. He's paid the price for you. He took your punishment. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like He rose from the dead. We're called now to go forth, to to declare the good news. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all of His commands. This is how we're to be living. We're to honor God in our generation. What a beautiful picture of Anna. She didn't waste her life after her husband passed away. Look at how she lived her life. Honoring God. Worshipping God. Being about her father's business. And then at the time. That she is passing through and here's Simeon. She knows the Messiah is among them. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. The Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born. And then we see in verse 49 or 40, the child then is taken back to Galilee. So now he's growing up. Jesus' ministry didn't start till he was 33. He showed up on the scene. There was a period of time Where people were just talking about the child. Who is this child? We hear the Messiah is born. Hope is arising in the lives of believers. I you know how it should be in our generation that we're talking about Jesus. We're expecting his return. We're sharing the good news, the message of freedom to others. Prepare yourselves for the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prepare your hearts and your minds. Come to Christ. Be reconciled to God through Jesus. And your life has to match your words. They just can't be words. And then your life is being lived in utter rebellion. Because then you're making a mockery of Him. And you can't, like I've always said, you cannot have His blood underneath your feet and you're just stomping in it, treating it as if it's nothing, just splashing it up everywhere and treating it as if it's nothing and just living however you want to live and doing and saying and going, whatever, however you want to do it and somehow slapping His name on your life as if then you're saved. Oh, how we need an awakening in this hour of true salvation. Salvation. In Christ and in Christ alone. A true move of the Holy Spirit throughout the earth. Awakening people to holiness, to righteousness. To preparing for our Savior, our King's return. In verse 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home in Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus, you all. Jesus. There's no other name the name of Jesus, you all. Everyone is going to bow before him at some point. Oh, how I pray that as it comes to your time and my time to bow, that we will be found in him. Listen, you all. I keep telling this man couldn't have written this. Genesis to Revelation what a beautiful story of redemption a story of hope in the midst of chaos I mean for goodness sakes just a few weeks ago our lives were happening things were looking good for most people now all of a sudden we're all stripped down to the same level. <laughs> All of a sudden, life is shaken. There's such an unknown. There's reading reports today, people who have been healthy are waking up, choking. The very breath is being choked out of their life from this virus. It comes on quickly. They're saying that most people are not even going to have symptoms. They're just going to start suffocating. Suffocating. And I say, God, Jesus, have mercy. Do you have hope today? Because you ought to have hope. And if you don't have hope today, then come to Jesus. If you're fearful and you're overwhelmed, come to Jesus. Let me ask you, Christian, Christian, if you're fearful and, and, you're, and you're doubting and you're overwhelmed, how much time during these past couple weeks have you sit in the presence of God? Or have you been caught up with everything else? Trying to numb your mind to everything around you by getting caught up in everything. Social media, Netflix. Anything that's just taking you out There's nothing wrong with social media and Netflix and entertainment. But this is not the hour to be saturating yourself with it. There's a place for them. But in this hour, this is a time that you ought to be in the presence of God. Seeking Him more than you've ever had before. Being awakened to what is going on. spending time in His Word, developing, maturing, and growing. Oh, I'm telling you, the hour is urgent. <laughs> Might fall is coming. <laughs> Are we ready for what's ahead? I told you in the beginning of this year that I was really sensing that we need to grow, that we need to mature this year. That we can't just keep doing as we've done. Because the hour is urgent. Over the past couple of years, if you've been around, I've been encouraging us to be effective laborers in the harvest. There's an urgency, there's an urgency, there's an urgency growing. Not just within me, with people all throughout the earth. God is awakening, there's an urgency and I keep having to go back in the, when I was in the hospital and my heart stopped. And I, and I felt myself separating from my body more than i would ever had before. And the clamoring and the noise behind me made me turn around. And then I woke up. And I said, God, there's a reason why I'm still here. All this clamoring and all this noise is what's going on today. And I said, God, you're, you're just really revealing to me and, and, and confirming with me that there's, we have to preach the gospel. We have to tell others about Jesus. We've got to disciple others into his truth because we don't know how much time we have left. But while we are here, let us be faithful. Let us not be fearful of, of losing our lives because what can death have over us? Nothing. It's been defeated. If we are to die, we are now being transitioning into his presence and to the fullness of the resurrected life. My God, that's great news. Go to Psalm chapter 60. Or Psalm 60. Psalm 60. Oh, again, how I encourage us in the book of Psalms to look up. Again, these psalmists are, are just men. They're facing life, going through. And yet, they keep their dependence upon God. They keep looking up in the midst of chaos. You have rejected us, O oh God, and broken our defenses. King David is writing this one. You have been angry with us. Now restore us to your favor. You have shaken our land and split it open. Seal the cracks for the land trembles. You have been very hard on us, making us drink wine that sent us reeling. But you have raised a banner for those, my God, who fear you. A rallying point in the face of attack. Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh's too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors, and Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings, but Moab, my wasp basin, will become my servant, and I will wipe my feet of Edom and shout in triumph of Philistia. Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edmund? How, I'm sorry, have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for He will trample down our foes. What a timely psalm to read today. What a timely psalm. To declare today, this hour over our lives, crying out to God. God, you're faithful. God, you're you're holy, you're just, you're right. You are our defender. You are our provider. God, defeat the enemy. God, we've been shaken. The nations have been shaken. Release us from this terror. Release this virus off the nations, Lord. Move with your mighty power, delivering people out of darkness into your marvelous light. Oh God, you are the judge of the earth. In you we take comfort. Comfort your people. Grant us your peace. Awaken us, oh God. That we would declare the truth of your word. And that we would honor you with our lives. And even if so, it's time for us to take our last breath. Then God, may your glory be known. In the midst of our suffering. Oh, we have to know our God, you all. We have to know him. Jesus says that we are to abide... To remain in Him, that apart from Him we could do nothing. Are you abiding in Christ daily, moment by moment by moment? Not just on Sundays, but every day of your life. Every day of your life, every day, every moment, every hour, every second. You should be maturing you should be growing. Cultivate. Let the Holy Spirit have full access to you. Let your mind be renewed. Because the Bible says, how does He transform us? By renewing our minds. Live out a newness of life. Let the old man, the old woman, let him or her remain on His cross. And live a life, you all, that's honoring Christ. Go to Proverbs eleven, verse fifteen. You know how we need all need to be better stewards, especially in this season of our lives. Better steward of our time, of our resources. We're to be good stewards of all that He's entrusted to us. And here's a little bit of a little nugget of wisdom. Proverbs 11, verse 15. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Careful, you all. Careful. The Bible is very clear, very practical advice for every area of your life, for health, for finances. Every area of your life. Practical wisdom that needs to be applied. Oh, I pray that you're encouraged this day. I pray that you would truly allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. That you would hear the Word of God. And not only just be a hearer of it, but that you would respond to it. And you begin to apply the truths to your life. As you're preparing for the return of our God. I'm going to close this with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.